as the seasons change and summer is slipping away and the fall season, autumn, is transforming slowly. I love all the pretty colors of autumn. Holiday season is coming. But there are also seasons in the spirit realm. And the Holy Ghost declared several weeks ago that this was a season of recovery for the people of God. Not for everybody, but for the people of God. Small recoveries, large recoveries, recovery. When David had been robbed of everything, David sat broken, crying. His wife, his children, his witches had been spirited away by the enemy. And he went and inquired from the Lord, what shall I do? And the Lord, the Holy Ghost said, pursue and overtake and recover all. Look at somebody and say, it's time to pursue until you overtake and recover all. God said you can have it. God said you can have it if you will take possession of it. Something so little like believing God. Believing God isn't like positive thoughts and positive confession. It's not trying to psych yourself up to think something. That's not what faith is. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Who is the word of God? Is Jesus is the living word of God. Hearing by Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. You can't be around Jesus and be full of doubt unless your ears are closed. Because if you can hear him, you can have him. <laughs> if you can hear his voice, you can have everything he says. Hallelujah. I wish I had some folk in here to believe that today. I wish you could reach out by the Spirit and take a hold of something that you've been delayed and been denied and been held up and just by faith begin to believe God. It's not enough just to hope for it. You've got to have Scripture. What are you standing on? What word? When you have a promise, you can stand. When you don't have a promise, you can't believe. You can't believe beyond the revelation of God's word. You can't believe beyond what you have knowledge of. How are you going to believe something you don't know about? You cannot believe beyond the word of God. You can't believe something he hasn't promised. But if he's promised it, somebody said there's over 20,000 promises in the Bible. I think that just about covers everything. There's a promise for your children, a promise for your health, a promise for your business. There's promises. Amen. Concerning every facet of life, he's made a promise. And a promise is only as good as the integrity of the person that gives the promise. So you just can't have faith in the word of God. You have to have faith in the author of the word who spoke it. When you have faith in him and you trust in him, then you believe what he says. It's not a question of trying to believe it. Is he a liar? No. Does he trick and play tricks with people? No. He says what he means and means what he says. Amen. Jesus said, have the, in Mark eleven twenty three. he says, have the faith of God. The God kind of faith. He talked about speaking to mountains and said, the mountain should obey you. Why should a mountain obey you because you're talking to it? Well, a mountain was made by words. God created everything by words. So it says it was created by words. It can be moved by words. <clears throat> That's what Jesus said. Then he says something powerful. When you stand praying, he said, forgive. Nothing blocks the power of God like unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is really the unpardonable sin. 
You can't get healed when you're in unforgiveness. You can't obtain the blessing from God when you're in unforgiveness. I don't care what they've done for you or what they did to you. As long as you hold unforgiveness, you're going to block the power of God. Because Jesus says it very plainly. If you don't forgive them, then I will not forgive you. That's unpardonable, isn't it? I don't know what that means. That means he won't pardon you. God's grace and blessings have a lot to do with your unforgiveness and you're willing to be like a child. He said, except you humble you. I'm preaching better than y'all are saying amen already. Except you humble yourself like a child. What's a child like? I used to get into fights every other day when I was a kid. But then you'd be playing with him in a few hours. You'd be fighting with him as at the end of the world. You ain't never going to speak to him again. Y'all be back together, riding up and down the streets. In the, well, I used, back then when kids used to play outside, I used to, we, we played outside. Don't do that now. They, they all sit in the rooms now and being controlled by flashes of lights and blinks and noises. Struggling with weight problems at 10. We didn't have weight problems. We couldn't wait to get outside. That was our weight problem. Couldn't wait to climb that tree and throw some rocks and get chased off by the neighbor. I used to get in all that kind of stuff. You back there doing what I tell your mama. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Times have changed, aren't they? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We've been continuing talking about what Timothy said. Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, seducing spirits. And he said, the spirit speaketh expressly. That means he, when it says expressly, it means he's not leaving anything to, to your interpretation. That means he's saying it all together plainly clear to leave no room for you to come up with your own conclusion. Sometimes when people talk to you, you leave things unsaid. You leave other people to up to themselves to try to fill in the blanks of what they don't understand. That's why sometimes they come up with something completely other than what you told them. That's why you can't leave things unsaid or leave it room for interpretation because people will put their own spin on it. He said that the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times. How many think this is the latter times? They thought that was the latter times back then, 2,000 years ago. My God. The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, many what? Depart from the faith. Departing from the faith. That means leaving Jesus because Jesus is the faith. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Never have we ever seen a time in Christianity in America. We Americans tend to think that Christianity in America is Christianity for the world. But I want you to know there's Christianity in Japan. There's Christianity in China. There's Christianity in the Middle East. And they face their set of unique problems. But never before in America have we seen such a departure from Judeo-Christian ethics of what is right and what is wrong. Never have we ever seen a departure from Jesus. Our young people question the veracity of the word of God or whether they should believe it or not. A lot of our education system has had a lot to do with the undermining of Christian faith because they introduced the ideas of secular humanism, the ideas of evolution. Everything happened without a God. And if there is no God, then there is no moral lawgiver. If there is no moral lawgiver, then there is no one to answer to. So then therefore, I can just make up my own thing and do what I want to do. That only works until you get in the world where everybody else is doing whatever they want to do. And what they do is contradicting what you're doing and hurting what you do. So there's no unity in it. The Bible talks about when they all had one mind at the Tower of Babel, he said nothing would be impossible to them. So they had to bring a confusion to bring division. 
We're living in a time now of so much delusion spiritually. Some of our great leaders, even those who we called, we listened to, wells that we familiar wells that we have drunk from or for years and years are now coming up with new doctrines. Now, they did a, a study the other week where they were talking to pastors. They said 30% of senior pastors in churches believe that you can get to heaven no matter what you believe. They preach it to the congregation differently, but privately they believe something else. If you believe something else privately, that means you don't have any conviction by what you preach. When you don't preach with conviction, it's not coming from the heart. If it's not coming from the heart, then it won't touch the heart. No wonder we have churches full of unbelieving believers. No wonder we have churches full of people that believe they can do anything they want to do and still serve God. But if you're in a relationship with anybody, there ought to be some restrictions upon what you can do. I can't get no help in here. And we're living in a time now where people are trading in the landmarks of faith and now they're adopting metaphysical ideas. We even got one preacher, Carlton Person, who was one of our great Pentecostal leaders. He's now calling himself a Metacostal, a cross between metaphysics and the gospel of Christianity, which is no such thing. Amen. Which is nothing but poison. Anything, anything other than the truth is a lie. Amen. 30%, 90% truth, 10% lie is just a very sophisticated lie, but it's still a lie. We, they're telling the doctrine of universe. Many of our preachers, I've talked to some of them, and they'll never say it publicly, but they believe in universalism. They believe that Jesus died for everybody, so just like Adam sinned and put everybody in sin, Jesus died and rose and put everybody in salvation. But the Bible clearly tells us that God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world unto himself. That means he dropped the charges against everybody. Jesus didn't just cover sin, he brusted sin. He destroyed sin in his own body. Nobody's going to hell for sin. They're going to hell because they reject Jesus, because he's the only way out of sin, because if you reject him, you don't believe on him, then you are already on a crash course to death, living in Adam, born out of Adam, the old nature. You are already on your way to destruction. But the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation. The word condemnation means mark for destruction. Whenever they have a building that they're getting ready, I feel like preaching this morning. Whenever they have a building they're getting ready to knock down, they put a mark and they say to condemn. Don't go in this building because this building is marked for destruction. Aren't you glad to know that if any man be in Christ, there is no marking for destruction for him. God has not set up for him to be destroyed. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says rejoice for the steps of a righteous man are up. What? They are ordered by the Lord. God, in the time of trouble, God will uphold him. God will sustain him. God will lift him up. But that's if you're in Christ. The Bible says that God was in Christ dropping the charges against everybody. He said, but especially to those that believe. Amen. See, in the Garden of Eden, God gave Adam a choice. You can choose ye this day. But when he took that fruit and the curse of disobedience attached to that fruit, it altered his DNA. He was changed from his, cellular, from his spiritual level all the way to his very cellular level and he began to die because death was introduced because spiritual death is not the ending of life. Spiritual death is separation from God. 
So in his separation from God through disobedience, it worked death in his flesh and he began to get old and begin to age. And then he was born. Everybody after Adam didn't have a choice. They were born in sin whether they wanted. Like they inherited a human body, they inherited the sinful nature. They didn't have a choice. But the thing about it, in the Garden of Eden, we lost our choice. But it was in the Garden of Gethsemane that God gave us back a choice. Come on. Because see, when God gospel comes to you, now you have a choice. You have a decision whether you're going to serve God or not. Jesus gave us back the power of choice to choose ye this day whom we're going to serve. We talked about several people who walked closely with God and even highly anointed. Samson, the weak, strong man. We talked about Judas, up close, disciple of Christ, but yet a traitor. We talked about uh, Balaam, the way of Balaam. It took us two services to get through Balaam because he was a deep character. The, the prophet of God who turned renegade. But now I want to talk about somebody named Gehazi or Gehazi. Turn to the book of 2 Kings 6 and 14. Now, I don't know. Now the, I don't know. If, I'm, I'm getting ready to take a theological leap here because I really can't back this in scripture per se. But I'm going to use my Holy Ghost Sherlock Holmes and I'm going to connect some dots. And you ain't got to agree with it because it's just, we look at somebody and say, we just talking. We're just talking right now. I'm not saying this is in the textbooks. I'm not saying that this is the truth. This is just what I suspect. Look at somebody and say, he just got a suspicion. Don't go out here saying, Pastor Reed said that was the same thing. No, don't tell him that. Say, Pastor Reed gave us an idea of something. Could he, could he, could he, should he, moody, would he, maybe. The Bible says in 2 Kings 6 and 14, and then he sent the horses and chariots and a strong force there, and they went by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early in the next morning, an army of horses and chariots had surrounded the city, and he said, oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do, the servant asked. The prophet of God said, don't be afraid. For there are those, there are more. Those who are with us are more than those who are also with them. That means the prophet had another source of information. He had a greater source of information and he had a greater vision than a man servant. Then Elijah prayed and Elisha prayed. Elisha prayed and said, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of power, of energy all around Elisha. They were surrounded up on the hilltops. If, if they own hilltops, that means they must have been below the hills. They must have been in a valley looking up to see all these chariots of angelic forces surrounding him. Is that a reach or no? It's interesting about this character named Gehazi. Some say Gehazi, some say Gehazi. That's probably the closest to the Hebrew pronunciation. The name Gehazi seems to convey the very Hebrew word translated means valley of vision. His name means valley of sight. Valley of vision. So he's in the valley, but he's got vision. But see, the problem if you understand Hebrew idiom and, and colloquialism and how they thought you couldn't get a good view in the valley normally the lookout would be on the mountaintop where you could see everything but if you're in the valley it means you got a bad perspective Gehazi's name meant the valley of vision the valley of sight his very name seems to indicate the wrong person at the wrong place at the wrong time 
He was in, now I'm just drawing a conclusion since his name meant valley of vision and here we hear the servant of God was in the valley and he looked up and saw the chariots all surrounding him. He was walking with the, here's what I want to bring out. He was walking with the prophet of God. Now in the school of the prophets in the Old Testament there would be those who are a part of company of believers. The school of the prophets is a very deep thing. We got a lot of people now trying to have schools of prophets but there's no such thing as a school of prophet. That's not New Testament. The New Testament prophet prophet is not supposed to be in a school. Why? Because now we have all been baptized in the Holy Ghost. And if you need somebody to teach you how to be a prophet, you ain't one. That's how that goes. I can't get on. Quit. Save your money. Don't send that $500 to join it. You can't be a prophet by getting a certificate. You got to be gifted to have it or you don't have it. I can say amen or owe me anyway. Look at somebody say, stop being a sucker. Amen. What you can do is be with a strong company of believers that's praying and full of the Holy Ghost. And whatever the Holy Ghost wants to show you, that's what he shows you. Whatever is in you is going to come out of you. Whatever gifting is in you will come to the top when you flood it with the light. Uh, you ever poured water in a closed-up sink? But when it starts filling up, it brings all the things from the bottom to the top. When you get full of the Holy Ghost, when you get filled with the Spirit of God, all the giftings and things that you don't know, they all rise to the top and begin to manifest. So the key is you don't need a school. Get under the spout where the glory comes out. Get in the prayer room. Get in the place where the power of God is in manifestation. I feel like preaching today. I didn't know I was going to preach like this. Hallelujah. The valley of vision. Gehazi was an interesting guy. And if this not, the Bible doesn't say it was Gehazi. It doesn't say this is causing the servant of the man of God. Now, Elisha had a predecessor. His name was Elijah. Elijah was an honorary character. He was a gruff guy. He, he wasn't into fashion. Come on, somebody. He wasn't into all the frills and thrills of high society. He hung out in the wilderness and came in like a wild man. But there was no denying that the power of God was upon him. Do you not know that one of the words def definition in the Old Testament that is in translated from Hebrew to mean prophet is the word in Hebrew that means madman? Because they would often come in like they were exebriated and they would begin to prophesy and rant and rave. That's why prophets weren't allowed to drink liquor. Because if you was a drinking prophet, we wouldn't know if you was under the liquor or whether you was under the Holy Ghost. So don't drink no liquor. So when we do see you acting full and drunken like a madman, it must be the Spirit of God. This is getting good, isn't it? But Gehazi was the servant of Elisha, but Elisha was the servant of Elijah. The Bible tells us that when it came time for Elijah to go, because Elijah had messed up. Elijah had done his good job, but Paul tells us in the New Testament that Elijah had begun to testify against Israel. He had begun to speak against the ones he had been hired to speak for. Oh, and see, God is just like that. When Moses got fed up, God said, you fired, it's time to get a successor. When Elijah got, see, sometimes you can be too long in ministry. Sometimes you can be too long in leadership where you start leading people wrong and get bitter because you deal with a lot of nuts in the church and they tend to make you upset. Come on, somebody. And you can get in the flesh and get angry and then God can't use you when you're bitter because when you're bitter, you start spewing bitterness upon the people and God wants his people to be a people of joy and a people of rejoicing in peace. So that's why sometimes some people talk themselves out of their own job. 
And God said, go get your replacement. His name is Elisha. And he went to go see Elisha. And the Bible said Elijah was known to have a cloak and a hood called a mantle. And he threw his mantle upon Elisha. And, he, and all of a sudden, Elisha knew what it meant. And he said, wait a minute. I got a mama. I got a daddy. I got a sister. brother. I got a car note. I, I, I got a mortgage. I, can't, I just can't run off and follow you. And the Bible said Elijah snatched it off and said, what have I done to you? So what? Whatever. I did it. I'm not going to take it back. And the Bible says that he ran after. Read it. It says he ran after Elijah. After he killed the oxen and fed his family and said, I'm done. The Bible said he ran after the power of God. He ran after the anointing. And Elisha is known as the prophet of the double portion power. Elisha is historically recorded that he did double the amount of miracles that Elijah did. Now, some of y'all said, he said, when he got ready to get carried away, and Elijah said, today is the day that I'm getting ready to get carried out of here. God is going to do something he ain't done since Enoch. He's going to catch me away without dying. He's going to rapture me right out of planet Earth right now. Who says he can't do it today? He said, I'm going to rapture him out right now. He says, now, if you're there with me when I'm taken, the whatever you want, God's going to give it to you. Now, he could have asked for all kinds of stuff. Make me rich. Make me a king. Set me up with a school of prophets in every country, and I'll have a network of prophets all over the place. I want you to hook me up. He could have asked for anything. He said, but I want a double portion of what you got. A double portion of what I got. He said, that's impossible. He said, but the Lord said, whatever you ask, you're going to get it if you see me. And every time Elijah kept trying to give him the slip and get away from him, he said, no, no, I ain't letting you get out of my sight. I'm going wherever you go. And the Bible says that all of a sudden a craft came down from out of the galaxy, out of space and landed like a whirlwind. And the Bible said that he stepped on that platform and it took him up into the air. And the Bible said he went up in a whirlwind. That's what it says. And see, they didn't know what a chariot... They thought every everything, uh, they thought every type of carriage was a chariot because they only had one word to describe it. I don't know. It could have looked like a battle cruiser from Battlestar Galactica. I don't know what it looked like, but there was a wheel in the middle of the wheel, the Merkaba, which is called the War Chariot of God. It came down and took him up. And the Bible says that when he left, his mantle flew off of him, and his mantle came back down. And all the sons of the prophet looked up as that mantle, like an eagle, began to float down. And when it hit the ground, the Bible said he leashed a his clothes off and was naked sometimes you had to strip a whole lot of stuff off to get ready for this new anointing that God wants to put on you the Bible said he stripped off his clothing and he picked up the mantle meanwhile still naked he picked up the mantle and the first thing he will know is where is the Lord God of Elijah and he walked over and smote the water and he saw the water part just like Moses and he walked across the Jordan ah uh, the Bible said all the school of the prophets all the pupils looked at his head the spirit of Elijah does now rest truly upon Elisha. If you really have a mantle, if you really have an anointing, if you really have a grace from God, you ain't got to tell nobody. They will be able to see God working in your life and God moving. You ain't got to put a badge calling yourself apostle. You ain't got to tell everybody you a prophet everywhere you go. Just do the work. Just demonstrate the power. Just be what you claim to be and everybody will see what you're called to do. He really, somebody say he ran after that mantle. But then here comes Elisha doing double miracles. But sometimes the more anointing and more power you have, you have blind spots. And where Elijah knew how to pick 
somebody to inherit it, he made a bad pick. He picked Gehazi. Oh, you don't help me in here. It starts off, now I just believe valley of the vision or valley vision or low vision or low sensitivity. He picked low vision for a high vision ministry. And when Gehazi begin to follow him we see him there worried about the battle because he wasn't sensitive enough see it's a shame when you're around the anointing and can't catch the anointing it's a shame when you're around the power but can't catch the power it's a terrible thing to sit up under true anointed ministry but you never come in contact with that kind of power because of all your hang-ups and your low vision Pastor, when you open up a class that teaches how to flow and heal, and I'm showing you a class every time we have a prayer line. Why are you down? Every time after church, I can't get out of church for praying for people at the altar. The altar workers are here. If you want to learn how to pray for the sick, why are you not down here too? Well, you never said nothing. I didn't, shouldn't have to say nothing. Nobody had to tell Elisha to run after Elijah. It's all about what you want. Remember this. What you focus on, you will connect to. Look at somebody tell them what you focus on. You will connect to. We see a pattern. People don't just get messed up at one point. They usually have a pattern of messing up. They usually have a pattern of being myopic in their spiritual vision. The Bible says, I can't get no witnesses in here. I know. Well, I got a few witnesses. Are you listening? The Bible says that the angelic forces were invisible to the natural eye. A miracle had to happen for his eyes to open and to see all of these angels. Only with the natural eye, all he could see was opposition and doom. When you stay in the natural realm, the devil will defeat you every time. When you look at things through the natural and what logic and what science and what your friends say and what mama did and what happened to big mama, it'll talk you out of doing what God told you to do. That's why you have to switch to vision. Come on, you need to find you a viewfinder and find you a different view and switch to vision and begin to look through the spirit. I want you to understand so that hearing often precedes hearing, seeing in the spirit. First, the prophet said, there are more with us than there are with them. That was the word of the Lord. Once the word of the Lord came, then the miracle came to open his eyes. There's often instruction first before there's a miracle. When God is working the gift of miracles, often there's a wisdom that comes to tell you what to do. Here's what you do. Go get them balls of mud and put them in your eyes and go wash in the pool of Shalom. There's instructions that come with a miracle. There's instruction of wisdom. It don't make sense. It's not the wisdom of the world. Where on earth do mud balls make eyeballs? But if you're trapped and always looking for logic... And reason, and it has to make sense to you, you are going to be a valley vision person. You'll only see the opposition and the trouble, but never see in the spirit. You first need to learn to hear what the spirit says before you can see what the spirit is saying. 
The word of God is not from earth. The word of God is from another galaxy. The word of God is from another supernatural dimension. And when the, as long as you think that Bible is just a book, it ain't going to never happen to you. But when you approach it as a living, breathing power, when you approach it as something alive, when you approach it as life on pages, it's not just a book. The Bible ain't the word of God. They can burn that book up and they'll have it burnt to crispy. You can't burn the word of God. The Bible contains the word of God. The word of God is alive. The word of God is a person. The word of God is powerful. Internal. The Bible contains it, but it ain't, the, it ain't, it ain't eternal. As long as you read the word of God, casually perousing through it, it will never come alive as long as it's always head knowledge, but it's got to get in your heart. With the heart man believes. With the heart man believes. Not with the head, because when you get in the head, you start seeing all the reasons why it don't make no sense. When you hear the word of God and receive it in your heart, it causes your heart to open up. That's why Paul said, I pray the Ephesian prayer. Lord, grant unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you that the eyes of my spirit might be flooded with light that I might know the things that you've already freely given. In other words, in the spirit, they're already done. That I might see the things that are already working for me, but I can't see them. So that I can see that there are more of us, more for us on the mountaintop than there are against us. It takes the word of God to alter your vision. The word of God is from eternity. When you read it and visualize it with your imagination, that's why God gave you an imagination. You begin to see what it says. Hallelujah. And it's through the imagination that you see in the spirit. It's through the imagination that is sanctified, hooked up to the Holy Ghost. When you begin to see in the spirit, what do you think God is using to put images in your mind? He's using the equipment he put in there. Your imagination to see it, to create the imagery. That's why people who are too analytical struggle. With seeing, they can hear, but sometimes they can't see. No, you ain't listening to me. You are training your spiritual eyes. If you read it with your heart and not just with your head, you become like a little child. Childlike faith. What you focus on, you will connect to. Second Kings 4.26. Can I take a little bit further with Gehazi? Now, when she came to the man of God at the hill, 4.26, she caught him by the feet. And Gehazi came near to push her away. Get back with that. But the man of God said, let her alone. Her soul is in deep distress. Pay attention. But the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Gehazi was trying to be the gateway to the prophet. Probably thought he was doing his job. Who is this woman? See, the Bible says that when the prophet saw the woman of God, he said, there's that Shunammite woman that had a side room for me who I prophesied that she was going to have a son and they were in old age and they had a son. He said, go out there and see what she wants. And Gehazi, Gehazi ran out there and she said, is all well? She said, all is well. She says, everything okay? She said, everything is okay. She says, all right, come on, see the prophet. But when she got to where the prophet was, she fell down at his feet. So she didn't trust Gehazi. She didn't trust There's something about him. There's some people that carry an air of distrust about them. He had an air about him that she could tell he was different from the man he was serving. 
Are y'all hearing me here? She didn't trust him to tell him off what the problem. She just wanted to get through him to get to the man of God. And you see, he was so insensitive to her. He wanted to get down and push her away. But the man of God said, no, no, don't do that. This woman is distressed. But the Lord has hidden it from me. Pay attention. And I can't tell. The Lord hasn't told me what's wrong with her. So here's the thing. Elisha wasn't operating in a gift to discern that her heart was broken. He was operating out of compassion. But Gehazi didn't have no compassion. He was insensitive and he couldn't sense it. But even the prophet said, the Lord ain't showing me what's wrong with her, but I can pick up what's wrong with her. I got news for you. Insensitive to people, insensitive to God. And sensitive to other people and being insensitive to God go hand in hand. Gehazi wasn't sensitive to the plight of others and he couldn't even read that woman's spirit. She told him everything was all right. That's typical of what people do when you ask them, what's wrong? They tell you, I'm okay. She did. She just wanted to get past it. That's when people don't feel like opening up and sharing. They don't want to get into it. They just tell you, I'm okay. Now, there's the other side of this. Don't go being goofy now, seeing problems with everybody you see now. I'm being discerning. There are some folks who are really in trouble. They're not really in trouble. They just like attention. They just want a nursemaid that'll come along and lick their wounds. They want to tell you and load you down. They don't really want prayer. They don't really want to believe God. They just want to get inside and have tell you all their problems. You got to learn how to discern between people who are really in trouble and people just want to talk. <laughs> Are you listening? Your unconcern with the suffering of others will likely disqualify you from being a channel of God's power to anyone. You can't be a healer and a deliverer and you, and you, and you aren't sensitive to the plight of others. Compassion moved Jesus to heal. You know, I know how it is, though. You could, after you've been in ministry for a while, you start learning that some people don't really want help. And you fully extend yourself and go all out and give everything, give money, do everything. And they, all they did was just want to get your money and get your time. And they still go back to the same hog slop, back to, the, back to whatever they was doing before. And it becomes a pattern in their life. They don't really want help. And it tends to burn you out when you're a preacher. So when people come in, oh, yeah, yeah, I want some help. Hey, wait a minute. I've been down this road again. No, no, fill out a form. Why well, I got to fill out a form for? Because I'm not just going to take up time with somebody who ain't got time to fill out a form. Because people will pull you in all kinds of directions and they'll get you off your course. But we're not talking about this. This woman had a real legitimate problem. Gehazi totally misread the moment. But maybe he was like the disciples when the children came to Jesus and they tried to send the children away. Jesus had to step in and say, suffer the children to come. That's something about God. Jesus, Elisha had the anointing of God upon him, but Jesus was the anointing. It's something about the nature of the anointing that is sensitive to your suffering. It's sensitive to your, to your sickness and disease. It's sensitive to your broken heart. The Bible says the Lord is near to them of a broken and a contrite heart. The Lord is, will lift them up. The Lord is concerned about the broken heart hearted because he's touched. Why? Because he's overflowing with so much abundance of power and joy. He hates to see a vacuum. But Elisha sensed even though the spirit hadn't showed him, his own spirit, he was able to discern that she had an issue. How sensitive is your spirit apart from the Holy Ghost? 
I know you want to have the Holy Ghost, but do you work on your own spirit being sensitive? Do you get the word of God in your spirit? Do you renew your mind with the word of God? Do you pray in the Holy Ghost to get your spirit built up and sensitized? Are you listening? Your spirit and the Holy Spirit together worked hand in hand. I, you got to be careful. I'm going to say this. I've had people serve me throughout the years in church. And see, I'm a nice guy. <laughs> I'm a friendly person. I talk to people. I'm not standoff as you come down. I, I had to stop walking all around praying for people to meet me because people start getting stupid ideas. They get mad. So I said, here what? I'm going to stand right here, and anybody want to talk to me, come talk to me, and I'll pray with you. But then sometimes you have some people that get around you, and they misrepresent you. I had to tell one person, I said, listen, do you see me being nasty? Do you see me cutting my eyes and rolling them? Do you see me talking to people any kind of way? No. Then why would you help me and do that? You don't see me doing that. Why are you doing that? Jesus is nice and sweet. Why aren't you? <laughs> Every now and then you have to tell people that. Because they'll go, out there, that church is mean. That pastor got a bunch of mean people. No, we don't. You just ran into the wrong person. You ready for the rest of the story? I got to go. Verse number 29. Then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready. The woman told him, the son you prophesied to me has died. He had a heart attack or a headache or migraine and fell and he's dead. The baby you prophesied, I got, he's now dead. So the Lord gave him and to take him away from me. And the prophet said, no, I'm the prophet of the double portion. He said, you got to know who you are. He said, look at, he said, Gehazi, he said, get yourself ready. Take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet them. If anyone greets you, do not answer him. But lay my staff on the face of John. Now, you know you're bad when you think you can just send your staff in place. He, I tell you, he wasn't lacking faith and confidence, was he? And the Bible says that when Gehazi came, he laid the staff, verse number 31, on the face of the child. He says, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore, he went back to meet him and said, the child has not awakened. And then the Bible says, Elijah said, Elisha, Elisha said, I'm going to go. And verse number 30, when Elisha came to the house, there was a child lying dead on the, on the bed. Verse number 34, and he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth. That's some strange stuff right there. And his eyes upon the eyes and hands upon the hands and stretched himself out on the child. And the flesh of the child became warm. And he returned and walked back and forth in the house. And again, he went up and stretched himself out upon him. Then child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. He's trying to tell you, when you get ready, when you're working miracles, you got to be committed to working them. When you're working in the presence and the power of God, you just can't give up because you don't see the first sign if it's not responding. The Bible said he laid his whole body. That means he laid it all down for this boy to be recovered. And the Bible says the boy was resurrected. But here's the part I don't want you to miss. When he said, Gehazi to do it nothing happened that was what's wrong with Gehazi the problem with Gehazi is not only is he stricken with valley vision not only can he not discern what the spirit of God is saying not only is he insensitive to other people he's just insensitive all around as a matter of fact he can't even carry the power of God he's incapable of transferring the power of God because when God gives you a gift you can give it away the way to get more from God is to give what you have 
away to other people. The way to more is to pour. God didn't give you no anointing and no gifting for you to sit upon it and to talk about getting a class and trying to become an apostle and trying to join some. No, he gave you the anointing for you to give it away. But everybody can't carry it. Not because God doesn't offer it. Everybody can't transfer the power. In electronics, the laws of the land and nature. In electronics, you got transistors. You got capacitors. You got resistors. When the power flows, it hits a resistor, it stops because it's resistor. Its job is to stop the power from moving. But a transistor is a circuit that the power can go through and go to the other across it. But a capacitor is one that captures the charge and holds it to release it at another time. We got a whole lot of resistors in the church today. Uh, the power of God comes upon them, but they resist it because they don't, it ain't coming the way they want it to come. Then we got some folk, the power of God can flow through them, and that's better than being a resistor. But what you ought to want to be is a capacitor, somebody that can be around Elisha and capture that anointing and take it somewhere else and release it where it's needed. <laughs> Woo, I'm enjoying this message. And the child was resurrected. Something is wrong with Gehazi. But he's right there next to the man of God. He's there seeing miracle after miracle. He saw the axe head swim. The men were building a house and the axe head fell off and it went into the water. And they said, oh, we borrowed it, master. It's down in the river. We will never get it. Elijah said, Elisha said, where is it at? Where'd you throw it down? And he took a branch off the ground, off the tree and threw it in the water. And the Bible said the axe head began to swim. And came. This is Gehazi watching all these miracles. How is it you can see the real Holy Ghost and see the real move of God and it doesn't affect you? It doesn't move you. When you see God healing and delivering people, you turn the channel. Only when you're sick do you want to get in the healing line. It's something wrong when all you're concerned about healing is when you're sick or when Big Mama's sick. But when other folk are sick, you couldn't care nothing about them. You're not interested in God's power. There's something wrong with that. Now, finally, in 2 Kings 5, 1, this is the closer. Now, Naaman, the commander of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because of him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. Now, the Lord was given victory to Syria. God rules in all the nations. He said he was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. He had that disease that caused his flesh to rot and to break down. I got to close in a few minutes. And the Bible says... After all, what good is it to have all this money and all this power and your flesh is rotting and falling off your body? What good is it for you to have all this status, but you got the cover up because you don't want nobody to see your face? And he was frustrated, but there was a little girl there. She was a slave girl. She was a little Israelite girl that they had picked up in a raid, the Bible says. And she was the slave girl to his wife. Y'all ain't gonna help me. She was the handmaiden to, the, to his mistress. And the Bible says that she overheard him complaining about being a leper. And she looked over there and told, she didn't tell him, she told his wife. But it got to him. She said, it would. She says, only if my, in verse number three, if only my master would the prophet who was in Samaria, for he would heal him of leprosy. Uh, even though she 
was a slave, she was still a witness. Even though she was in an oppressive situation, she hadn't lost her testimony. How will you? How, oh, y'all ain't gonna help me up in here. And she was a witness. She was. Sometimes people want to be mad about everything, but sometimes even the bad things you find yourself in, sometimes God allows you to be there because you don't know that He's setting you up to be at the right place at the right time to deliver the right message that will change the course of a nation. And he got excited because when you got leprosy, you take anybody's advice. And he went to the king of Syria and told the king of Syria they got a prophet down there and he's got healing power. And the king of Syria said, let me write you a letter. He sent a letter to the king of Israel. Now, this is what the king of Israel did. because It's obvious the king of Israel is stupid. Now, he ain't got good sense. He ain't got the spirit. He says, now the letter comes. He says, now be advised. When this letter comes to you, I have sent Naaman my servant to you that you may heal him of his leprosy. And the king of Israel lost it. He read it and said, verse number seven, he tore his clothes off. Now, you know, you got to be, you know, how mad do you have to be to rip your clothes? He, just, he tore his clothes off. I mean, I've, I've been mad, but I ain't never been clothes ripping mad. He, he lost his mind. He said, this man sends me a leper to heal. Am I God to give life and take it away? He said, I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. So now there's malice in the palace. Now a whole aura that we get ready to go to war with Syria. Just The man just want to get healed, but it's down. And, see, that's what happens when you send the wrong person. That's what happens when the wrong message gets delivered. It gets blown out of proportion and crazy. That's why you have to be careful who you send stuff to. Be careful who you go to ask for help. They'll blow it up worse than anything. <laughs> he should have sent a messenger to the prophet, not to, the, not to Syria. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, Elisha, in verse number eight, heard about the message. He heard that the king had tore his clothes off. He said, it must be pretty bad if he's ripping through his royal garments. And he sent his messenger and said to him, why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me. And he will learn that there's a true prophet in Israel. I like that Elisha. Well, he's confident. He said, let him know that there's a God in Israel. He didn't say there's a God in Israel. He said, let him know that there's a prophet in Israel. Ah, oh, the Bible says he sent him over to the house. And here's the depressing part. Here's the disappointing part. The Bible says Naaman showed up with his soldiers at the door of Elisha. And he thought Elisha was going to come out and do something deep. And all of a sudden, no, no. God, God don't care. Beyond say Jay-Z whoever God don't care who you are and what you're supposed to be everybody got to come in at the door everybody got to lower their head to come in you coming to see the king of king you want something from Jesus get your mind right he was standing there and the Bible said Elisha sent his servant out there to him Look what the Bible says. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him and says, the messenger said, uh, 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 Naaman, uh, uh, the, 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 the master said, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you'll be healed of your leprosy. And the Bible said Naaman was hot. He got upset. How dare he send somebody out here to go bathe in some nasty water like this. We got cleaner water where I come from. He starts getting hot. This is what he said. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy. Look what he said. To wave his hand over the leprosy. <laughs> and the leprosy and call on the name of his God to heal me. But he couldn't even come out to talk to me. Many people. He wanted to show 
to appease his superstitious preconceptions. People often miss the supernatural looking for the spectacular. The supernatural happens when you obey the instructions, not when somebody waved their hands and something dynamic happened. The supernatural happened while you leave in the service and you forgot all about the service and the power of God comes upon you while you're at the service station. Now come on and touch your body and set you free. The power of God will keep on working after you got in the bed, causing sales to line up, causing body parts to grow. The power is still at work. That's why you got to keep your faith working no matter what it looks like. Keep the switch of faith on. Miracles often come with instructions, something that you must obey. The Bible says Naaman turned away in rage. Many people can't receive from God because God don't come the way they want him. Uh, I don't believe in falling out. I saw people fall out when you pray for them. I don't believe in that. What don't believe in it? Do you have faith to be? I don't tell nobody to come up here and fall out. I don't get a badge because you fall out. But if the power of God comes upon you and you're more concerned about resisting it than getting healed, how about you might not get healed? Because you're out open, you're closed. I don't believe in that part. You got to eat the whole roll. I'm not saying you're going to fall out, but if it is, if it's the Holy Ghost, come on, somebody. You ain't just fainting and falling on the ground. You're being overcome by the greatest power in the universe, and he has a purpose in what he's doing to you. But except you humble yourself like a little child. See, little children are open. And all of a sudden, sometimes you need somebody to bring gravity. He's riding back fuming. He's breathing steam. And his officer said to him, sir, I beg your pardon. If he had asked you to do something hard or difficult, you would have done it. All he said was go and watch. Will it hurt? I'll tell you what. When you out of control, you better have the right people around you. You better have somebody around you that got some sense. You better find some folk that got common. Wait a minute, common is no, it's un, it, it ain't more such thing as common sense. You better find some folk that got uncommon sense. You better have some folk that can talk you down off your ledge and say, "Come on back down to earth before you do something stupid and miss an opportunity." He shrugged his shoulders. I'm almost done. And then he went over there and got in the water. And this is the testing part. Dunk one, no change. Dunk two, no change. Dunk three. He dunked thirds four times. Can you imagine getting all the way down to the sixth time and it ain't even clearing up? I can see if it started getting clearer as he was doing it. He probably would start doing it faster. It's getting, but he just, nothing has changed. Why? Because the power is not released until the instructions are fulfilled. What instructions have God given to you that you've done part of them or some of them and almost all of them and you want God to come in? No, do can somebody say do all of the things that God told you to do. When he hit that seventh time, he got up and his skin was like a baby skin. Oh, he was going nuts. He was going crazy. He ran back to, here we go. He ran to Alicia. He ran to Alicia and said, listen. He said, my God is going to be your God. He said, I'm not going to even serve the God of my gods no more. He says, as a matter of fact, listen, this is crazy. I'm gonna, can I dig up some earth from where you are and take it back? And I'm going to put that in a place where I'm going to get on my knees and worship. He said, now, now I'm because I'm important in the kingdom, I have to at least go with the kingdom. 
king when he worships the false god that he serves. Can I, can I at least bow my head and not be in trouble with God? Because I want to serve your God. Look at this. Now we have a head of military state. A great general has now been converted to the faith and he's going back to the enemy of Israel. Don't you know that's going to change the power structure in that region? Can you see what God is trying to do? It's bigger than you. It's bigger than your leprosy. It's bigger than the slave girl. It's bigger than all this other stuff. God is trying to do something in the earth. But if we're not careful, if we're insensitive, if we're still caught up in the way we do things, you will miss what God is saying. I can't get no help in here today. And now he's converted. He says, let me give you some money. Let me give you some stuff. Let me lower you up. I'm getting ready to give you something. But Elisha said, there's a time to receive gifts. There's a time to receive blessings. He said, this is not the time. I'm not going to let you pay the God of Israel for your miracle. I want you to go back where you came from and remember that you owe Jesus. You owe Jehovah. You're going to be in debt when your pastor, come on, when your leader, when, when, when your apostle, when your king wants to rise up and have war with Israel, you better be the first one to stand up and say no because what God has done for you, God. God was giving political capital. Listen. But somebody else was over here in the conversation. Somebody else has got valley vision. Somebody else is insensitive. Somebody else who's been hanging around for a long time and still ain't got saved. Somebody, somebody that been the blood been running by them, been running over them, and they still ain't got converted yet. They just hanging around the pot. There's a lot of folks that are just hanging around the church. They grew up in the church, but they ain't saved. They know churchianity, but they don't know Jesus. They think they saved, but they're not. Those are the folks you keep running into that chase people away from church. Them half saved, saved from the waist up. Playing games in church. This is like the Elks Club to some people. This is like the Freemason Society. This is like the Eastern Stars. This is like a club people come and join. And we know all the same songs and know all our friends. It's like cheers where everybody know your name. This is not a club. This is not an organization for the betterment of humanity. This is the church of the living God. This is the house of God. This is the place where you come to lay it down upon the altar. This is the place where you come to the altar so you can get altered, so God can change you. You ain't right the way you are until you get here and get on your face. I got to get to this message. So Naaman rides off, happy as a lark. And the Bible says, verse number 20, and Gehazi, 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 the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, my master should not have let this Aramean get away without accepting any of his gifts. As surely as the Lord lives. You're going to put that solemn statement? As surely as I will chase, I will chase, I will run after him and get something from him. So Gehazi set off after Naaman. And when Naaman saw Gehazi running after him, the Bible says he stopped his carriage and came down and said, what is it? And Gehazi in verse number 22, yes, Gehazi said, but my master has sent me to tell you that, that there are two young prophets from the hill 
country of Ephraim that have arrived. He would like 75 pounds of silver. He would. And two sets of clothing, only two, to give to them. Naaman says, by all means, take twice as much silver. Naaman insisted. Naaman had some money. He, was, he must have been driving a Maybach. He, he must have been loaded. He gave him two sets of clothing, tied up the money in two bags, and sent two of his servants to carry the gifts. This, this didn't happen in 10 minutes. It took some time to sit down to get this. So first of all, you went in there and you lied. Your greed has forced you to lie in the middle of the things of God. While God is trying to set up something in the region, here you go with your selfish self and your foolishness and your agenda. You're going to put your feet in what God do. And you got nerve to say, as the Lord live, I'm going to do it. And then you get there and lie about two prophets that don't exist. And then you say your prophet, your master said something that he did not say. Two lies you told. And sat there and watched it. Where was his conscience at? I know a lot of times people start out doing bad stuff, but in the middle of it, the conscience get a hold to them. While they watch it, say, you know what, never mind. I, uh, not Gehazi. No, no, this has been a long time coming from the valley with the chariots, from the woman with the shooting the mic, woman with the child, just over and over. He's just been showing his hand. But listen, the Bible said he had plenty of time to change his mind. But here's what I think. How many times in the past had he been doing things and hadn't been caught? You see somebody get caught molesting a child. You didn't just molest. You didn't just get there all of a sudden. You progressed. You was crossing boundaries and, and incrementally one step by step. You didn't just get into adultery. It just fell into it. No, you've been incrementally thinking about stuff, weighing back step by step. A, a little flirt becomes a laugh and a laugh becomes a conversation and a conversation, you know, it just moves. It moves on. He didn't just get bad overnight. He was getting bad progressively all while he was walking with the anointing. Only the devil can be in the presence of God and become the devil. Verse number 24, Gehazi took the gifts from his servant and sent the men back. Then he went and hid the gifts inside the house. He went and he said, y'all go ahead on back now. He took the bundle of stuff and went somewhere and hid it. Then he says he went and stood before his master. And Elisha said to him, where have you been, Gehazi? And he said, mm, the servant went nowhere, hither, thither. He just, he didn't, I was just went down the street and nothing happened. Not only did he lie to Naaman, now he's lying to Elisha. The Bible said there was a couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. Sapphira and they began to lie to the, the apostle Peter. And the Bible said, Peter said, you didn't lie to me. You lied to the Holy Ghost. You got to be crazy to lie to the Holy Ghost. But do you know how you lie to the Holy Ghost? You first have to lie to yourself, believing something that's not true. But I like what Elisha, Elisha's so bad. He said, how be it? <laughs> he said, he said, he said, went not my heart, went not my spirit with you. When the man turned again his chariot to meet you, he said, the moment you met up with him, the Lord took me in the spirit realm and I was standing there in the spirit watching you what you were doing. Is it a time to receive money? Is it a time? And receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and manservants and maiden service. He said, was it time to do this? Because you have done this. You and your children shall suffer from Naaman's leprosy forever. 
When Gehazi, Gehazi left the room, he was covered in leprosy and his skin was white as snow. Here is the tough part. Here's the rough part of it all. He said, my spirit went with you. I remember Brother Hagin told the story one time that he was up in a service preaching. And while he was preaching, he said his spirit left his body and he could hear himself still preaching. He said his spirit went out and he was a young lady. He was thinking about dating in the congregation. But as he went out, he saw her driving out to the country with a man. And as they drove out to the country, they pulled out a picnic basket on Sunday. Should have been at church. He said he saw them pull the spread out and they got undressed and began to fornicate. And he sat there and watched them fornicate. And then his spirit went back into his body and he heard himself preaching. He said, I don't even know what I was saying. He said, after service, I looked at my wife. I said, what was that? He said, you get the message today? She said, just like usual. But the Lord caused his spirit to go with her. And he saw what happened in the spirit. Elisha said, I saw what you did. I saw how you lied and connived. This is your pink slip. You are fine. You will not inherit this double portion mantle. And the Bible says that Elisha died. And the Bible said they buried him in a tomb. And as they buried him in the tomb, the anointing had no successor. It had nobody to be passed down to. And as he was laying in the tomb, the Bible said there was a soldiers marching. And they had some dead bodies. And the enemy came. And they threw the body down in the tomb of Elisha. And Elisha was now dead. It was nothing but bones and cloth laying there. But the Bible says the double portion anointing that fell down upon Elisha was in the grave. I can't get no help up in here. It lay, and the Bible said the dead man fell down upon the bones of Elisha. And the anointing, the same resurrection power, raised up the dead man from the bones of Elisha. I used to think that was so great that you could have bones that were anointed. Till one day the Holy Ghost looked at me and he said, wait a minute, you're missing something. I said, what am I missing? He said, the anointing don't belong in a grave. It doesn't belong in a tomb. He said the anointing was supposed to be passed down. It was supposed to be handed over to the next person. And ever since the Elisha mantle or the Elisha mantle went into the tomb, that was the end of miracles in, in Israel. That was the end of outpouring of power. That was the end of supernatural happenings. All the prophets after him, they were just seers. They were not miracle workers because the mantle was not passed down. I don't care how much of a bishop or an apostle you are if you're not raising up anybody to take the mantle then you're not being productive but I'm so glad that the Lord I said but Lord I said it's a shame that the mantle went in the ground he said but here's act two he says stay tuned he said when I went down into hell on the third day I got up with the mantle of Elisha and I gave it back to the church and now all power in heaven and earth is in my hand and I'm giving it to you he said go into all the world and preach the gospel cast out devils lay hands upon the sick raise the dead raise hell back up the devil and tell the enemy there's a new sheriff in town the bible said Elisha ran after Elisha
Elijah. I got a question. Gehazi ran after Naaman. That's what's wrong with so many of these preachers now. Instead of running after the power, they're running after platforms. They're running after TV. They're trying to be famous and live like rock stars. But God said that this generation is the Elisha generation. The generation that's going to run after the power, run after the glory. I remember when I was 19 in Bible college, I would fast for 21 days, laying upon my face without nothing but water because I wanted the power. I wanted to see God's anointing. Let me tell you something. You're not going to get it by joining a prophetic network. You're not going to get it by joining up an apostle. You're going to have to get on your face and get down on your knees and run after the glory. I got a question for you. What are you running after? What are you chasing down? Whatever you focus on, that's what you're going to connect to. Focus on the glory. Focus on the power. Focus on the end time. What God is trying to do, somebody ought to shout hallelujah. Somebody ought to say, I'm running. I'm running. I'm running after the anointing. After the power. I want something greater. I want something deeper. I want something right. Say Say Yes. Somebody shout hallelujah. I dare to touch somebody. I may be standing still, but my spirit is running, running after the things of God. What are you running after? What is a priority in your life? What is the priority? Let me tell you something. You better love your kids, but that better not be your number one priority. You'll lose your kids. Jesus got to be number one. The power of God has to be the number one. The glory of God has to be. He said, seek ye first. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all his righteousness and everything, everything that the world is seeking after is going to be added, added to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take somebody by the hand and pray with them right now. I'm not going to let this mantle fall. I'm going to cast the mantle. I'm going to cast this power. I got the Holy Ghost. Tell him I'm getting ready to walk in the fullness of it. I'm getting ready to pull out all the stops. I'm going after the things of God. I'm going to put some fasting and some praying. I'm going to do some seeking. I'm tired of the ordinary. The ordinary just won't do. I need an extraordinary, supernatural outpost. Gehazi 
There's a miracle. There's a miracle that comes with the instructions. When your obedience is fulfilled, it's like a key that unlocks the door and everything is changed in an instant. Suddenly, I hear the Holy Ghost say, suddenly, suddenly it's going to change. Suddenly it's going to break loose. Suddenly they're going to come to church and get saved. Suddenly they're going to put the dope needle down. Suddenly they're going to stop shacking with their girlfriend. Suddenly they're going to stop the homosexual relationship. Suddenly they're going to come to their senses. Somebody say thank you Jesus. Go ahead and run. On the count of three, on the count of three, Jesus recovered that mantle. It's no longer in the grave anymore. On the count of three, throw both hands up top of your head and say recovery as loud as you can. One, two, one, two, one, two, three, recover! Yes! Recover what you lost. Recover what he stole. What was lost? God says, I will restore it. What was lost in battle? Sometime when you're in a fight for your life, you ever been in there? You drop valuable things on the battlefield. And in a retreat, you can't pick them up. You think they're lost forever. Anybody ever had to run and drop something, but you could not stop to go pick it up? Came back and somebody else had took it. Have you ever felt like the enemy just came in and stole your seed from you? Stole your generation of harvest? Have you ever felt like something was taken from you unfairly 
They didn't have permission from God to do it. It was illegal. They did it nevertheless. God says, I'll restore. I'll cause you to recover it. But you got to get out of the valley vision. You got to stop being insensitive and just trying to go with your mind. You got to look to the word and what the word say and see what the word says. What does Jesus say? If Yahweh say yes, it don't matter who say no. What was lost in battle? What was taken unlawful? Where the enemy has come in and stole your seed. Though your health may be failing and your strength feels like it's ailing, I will restore to you. I will restore to you. I will restore to you all of this and more. See, sometimes you, you get a resistance and you it, it just ain't never happened for me like that. I'm still waiting and sometimes you feel like, I know his song sounds pretty, but I, it ain't happening for me like that. I've been waiting and still waiting. But right now is where you have to change your vision. And forget about those things that are behind you and look to the prize ahead of you. For today is your day. You have to believe what the Lord says. What is lost in battle? What was taken unlawful? Where the enemy has come in and so you'll see though your health may be ailing and your strength seems failing I will restore to you I will restore to you I will restore to you all of this and more. I will restore. I will restore. I will restore to you. I will, I will, I will restore to you. I will restore to you all of this and more. Father, the name of Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we Lord, we worship you and give you glory. We magnify your name. Lord, we serve only you and no other God. We don't have no other God. Lord, we don't have nobody but you. We don't have nobody. We don't get nobody. We don't have anyone but you. You're the only one we can look to. You're the only one that can interpret our deep sighs 
You're the only one that can interpret our deep thoughts. You're the only one that can see our hearts. The sorrow, the misery, the loss, the pain. You're the only one. Some of us have wasted years, Lord, in terrible relationships and terrible places and it's wore us down. Some of us have wasted our days working for people that never ever appreciate anything. We're with people that take us for granted. Used up. And sometimes, Lord, we reach a point where we're burned out and we just don't have any faith to believe for something. We want to. We wish we could. We know we should, but Lord, we just don't have it sometimes because we feel like we've been beat down and starved. But Jesus, you said you are the living bread. You said, Lord, that you would make it up to us if we followed you all the way. So here we are today, Lord. Everything that was lost and that was stolen, taken from us unlawfully, we are laying it at your feet. We're counting it as a sacrifice unto you. We're showing the devil and all of his angels and imps and demons that even though we've lost these things, they can't compare to you. That we love you best of all. And if everything is taken, as long as we have you, we shall have life abundantly. Everything that was taken, you can replace it and make it better. So we make them a sacrifice. Relationships, people, jobs, money, friendships, houses, homes, taken, stolen, whatever. Lord, today we lay them upon the altar. And we free ourselves from the spirit of Gehazi. We don't run after these things. We detach ourselves from these things. We lay them at your feet. We're turning children over to you. We're turning fathers and mothers over to you hard-headed people we love them and they scoff at us we give we work our fingers to the bone and they don't care we give our last dime and they don't even know we're gonna go without food because we're trying to help them they don't even realize that we've given they don't know only you do only you jesus know the sacrifices we made for other people and got no return for them We've invested years to be betrayed. Lord, today, 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 we lay them all at your feet. We lay them all to you, Jesus. We lay them all at your feet and make you Lord. Of home, I lay them all at your feet. I lay them all to you, Jesus, and make you Lord. Oh, for all, Father, we thank you. If you're here today, you're not saved, you don't know Jesus. You've never given your life to the Lord. Today is a day. With every eye closed and every head bowed, whether you're seated or whether you're standing, make a decision what you're going to run after. There is no life without Jesus. There's only the imitation of life. 
There is no truth without Jesus. There's only a similarity, a similitude, a falsehood. He is the truth. He is the light. He is the only answer. I can't make Jesus show up here in the flesh and prove you he's alive. It's going to be the greatest step of your faith, of your life, to believe on him based upon what you have heard. But if you believe on him with all your heart, you will be born again. It's a supernatural operation that takes place in your heart. The veil of this world, Adam, is removed off of you and you become a new creature by simply believing with your heart and saying with your mouth. Believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he is both Lord and Savior. And that if you surrender and give your life to him and make him Lord of your life, he don't just make you a better person. He changes your heart. He changes your nature. And you become born from above. You become a citizen of the heavenly Jerusalem. You become a new creature. Old things passed away. None of your old sins and habits. He won't hold any of it against you. You become a new person, a new identity in the kingdom. He puts you in the witness protection program. He'll hide you under his wings. He will cover over you. He'll make you his child. He'll lead you and guide you and fill you up with his spirit and lead you and guide you into all truth. Any witnesses in here that say he done it for me? I'm a living witness. If you're here, you want to be born again. You say, preacher, I need to be saved. I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. While nobody's looking, every eye is closed, every head is bowed, just wave their hand. Just show it to me. That's me. I want to get right. I want to give my life to Jesus. God bless you, sweetie. I see you. I see you, darling. You put your hand back down when I point to you. I see you. You say, I want to give my life to the Lord. Is that another one? Is that another one? Somebody else said, I want to give my life to the Lord. Going once, going twice. If you're here and you say, I belong to Jesus. I know I'm saved. I gave my life to the Lord. I love the Lord. But I haven't been walking with God. I've walked away from the Lord. I got church hurt. I got angry with God. Things weren't working right. I got in trouble. I got mixed up with somebody else and got distracted. Whatever it is, but you know that if you died at night, you wouldn't die in favor with God. You need to make a reconnection. The old church says you're a backslider. I'm going to say you got a broken fellowship. You just need to reestablish the connection. Hallelujah. God will restore it. He says, if you come to me, I will in no wise cast you out. He said he won't do it. He's in the taking business, not the throwing away. If that's you, you say, I want to give my life back to the Lord. I want to rededicate my life to God. Raise your hand and put your hand back down when I see it. You're going once. I want to rededicate my life. I want to give my life back to Christ today. I want to re I'm saved. I love the Lord. I just want to reconnect. Amen. If you hear you say, preacher, I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I know the Lord. I love the Lord. I'm living for God. But you know what I want? I want the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I want that supernatural power. I want what the apostles here. The Bible says you can have it today. It has not changed. It's still the same. Everybody in here that's been filled with the Holy Ghost, wave your hand and say, I'm a living witness. It happened to me. We're not the smartest. I'm not the brightest. I got it. Anybody can get it if I can get it. Hallelujah. I've seen people with mental problems get the Holy Ghost. Anybody can have it. It's not hard. It's not difficult. People, the devil wants you to think it's always difficult. No, no. We will lay hands upon you and you will receive it. Everybody I lay hands on that wants the Holy Ghost gets it. Everybody. I've seen thousands baptized in the Holy Ghost across this country, in foreign nations, over the sea. I've been doing this for 32 years. I tell you right now, it has not failed no matter what country, wherever I'm at. The Holy Ghost is the same power. Same Holy Ghost working miracles and signs and wonders, and He'll do it today. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, say, That's me. I want to be filled. 
going once, going twice. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray for those hands that raised for that first invitation. Father, in the name of Jesus, the people that raised their hand, you saw their hearts, you saw their souls. Lord, there's nothing hidden from you. You are the truth, the living life. Father, we break the power of the devil off of them now in the name of Jesus. We break the power of spiritual blindness off of them in the name of Jesus. We cast out every whispering spirit that speaks contrary to the will of God for their life. Devil, loose them in the name of Jesus. We break your power off of their life. We break spiritual blindness off of them. Their eyes should open and see. Now, Lord Jesus, touch their lives and save them. Come on in, Jesus. Come on in and fill them with your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Grant to them repentance today in Jesus' name. If you raised your hand for me to pray, just raise your hand and say, I received it. If you raised your hand before and said, pray for me, just raise your hand. Let me know you received that prayer. Is there another person that raised their hand too? I saw two hands. Honey, you raised your hand. Another one raised their hand. Would you stand up on your seat? Just tell the Lord, thank you. I want to invite you down to the front, and I want to lead you in prayer. I've prayed for you, but you must pray for you. Come, 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 come. The other sister that raised your hand, come on to. Don't be afraid. You started it. Don't finish. Don't, let's finish it today. That's right. I saw you, darling. Come, come. That's right. The Spirit of the Lord is all over you. The Lord destined you to be here today. Yes, her. She's coming. God senses the brokenness and the pain and the sorrow and your broken heart that you came in. The Lord is near to those with a broken heart. And today is the next day of God's going to touch you in your body. God's going to give healing in your back and spine and hips. And God's going to restore in your body and he's going to save you. Hallelujah.